0: The vote is a powerful tool, but winning it has never been a complete victory. Two Pittsburgh women who advocated for suffrage were just beginning the fight for equal rights. It was October 1916 The Brooklyn Robins, later the Dodgers, played the Boston Red Sox in the World Series, making it possible to forget for a little while that summer was over Pittsburgh newspapers posted the scores in their office windows, and so many people crowded the streets to keep tabs that city council supposedly passed an
1: ordinance prohibiting the papers from doing so. The suffragettes saw this as an opportunity, and they went to a gentleman named Dupuy, I believe, who owned a, an arcade downtown, and they got the heads of the two newspapers to telephone them the play-by-plays. And so they were in there, providing this ongoing announcement, but in between the plays, then they would jump up on the soapbox and say, women should have the vote.
0: Eliza Smith-Brown is the granddaughter of Eliza Kennedy Smith, a Pittsburgh suffragist in the early 20th century.
1: Everybody in town was terrified of them. When they would appear on the threshold of City Hall, the word would go out, the she-devils are at the door, hide
2: the books. She's a tough lady and a demanding lady.
1: That's Samuel
0: W. Black, director of African-American programs at the Heinz History Center. He's not referring to Kennedy Smith here, but another woman's rights leader, Daisy Lampkin. Lampkin was president of the Negro Women's Equal Franchise Federation, also called the Lucy Stone Women's
2: Suffrage League.
0: As an African-American woman, Lampkin faced a double burden of prejudice. Even suffrage was segregated.
2: Daisy Lampkin was one of a number of black women um, addressing some of the social issues, that black women faced at that time. Suffrage rights, education, health and welfare, jobs.
0: Until the 19th Amendment was ratified in 1920, women merited none of those individual rights. But let's take it back a little bit. Women began advocating for equal rights as early as the 1840s. But the issue took a back seat, understandably, with the eruption of the Civil War in 1861. At War's End, debates about the rights of African Americans revive debate on women's rights, says Lisa Tatro, Associate Professor of History at Carnegie Mellon University.
1: The types of demands that some suffragists are willing to make right after the American Civil War, at a moment when people imagine freedom being entirely rewritten, were really expansive and really radical.
0: People agitated tirelessly for the vote because it promised a better future, says Tatro.
1: It's a fundamental way in which a person can control their destiny, is the way Americans imagine it. Whether it actually can accomplish that is a whole different thing.
0: Reality often lags behind the law. Despite winning the vote in 1870, African American men were murdered for voting. That's the world Daisy Lampkin was born into in 1883.
2: Like a lot of us who were born in the 60s, we like to say we were born during the revolution, the Civil Rights Revolution. So you inherit the struggle, and uh, Daisy inherited the struggle for suffrage.
0: Lampkin continued to push for a better world, both as vice president of the Pittsburgh Courier and field secretary for the NAACP. She was so instrumental in the latter that she was known in the 1950s as Mrs. NAACP. Smith Brown turns the pages of Eliza Kennedy Smith's scrapbook, her grandmother's huge tome documenting years of holding local government accountable.
1: Once they got the vote, they felt it was their duty to educate the voters how government worked and sometimes how it didn't work.
0: Looking back at the past can make change or progress seem inevitable. But none of it happens without struggle, says Tatro. And sometimes, there's no clear finish line. For 90.5 WESA Celebrates Inventing Pittsburgh, I'm Margaret J. Krause.
1: UPMC is proud to support 90.5 WESA Celebrates Inventing Pittsburgh. UPMC, life-changing medicine.